evening. It's uh, 7 p.m. March the 5th, 2020. Good evening and welcome to our monthly Sycamore Township meeting. Tonight's meeting is being videotaped and will be available on our township webpage. All of our trustee monthly meetings and workshop meetings will be available on our webpage and YouTube. We're working on can. Almighty God, you have surrounded us with good things and have blessed us with families, friends, and communities that help to make our lives full. Guide our leaders so that their decisions may honor you and enhance the welfare of all the members of our community. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing if you can for our Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, then. okay we can have our roll call. Uh, Mr. Porter. Uh, Mr. LaBarbera. Here. Mr. James. Here. Mr. Weedman. Present. You're up also for the uh, for bills and receipts. Uh, yes. We had Receipts of $744,523.75, disbursements of $1,020,629.84. A complete listing of all receipts and disbursements is available in the office for your review. Motion to approve. Second. Mr. Porter. Uh, Ms. LaBarbera. Aye. Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Weaver. Aye. Um, Mr. Chair, if I could add, add uh, we do have the checks now automatically signed, as I mentioned to you before. Mr. Porter just has to okay the check register. But we do, and from time to time, we will have some manual checks. And this evening, we have a few for the CIC. Okay. Uh, so one, just uh, either of you have to sign also. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Planning and zoning report, um, Mr. Scholar Miller. Uh, yes, sir. The only thing I have tonight is uh, for for your consideration, uh, case number 2020-01MA. Uh, there are resolutions available um, if if the board chooses to take yeah. action. I'd like to make a motion to approve uh, case 2020-01MA uh, with the following conditions. Number one, new wall sign shall comply with Chapter 13 of the Sycamore Township Zoning Resolution unless superseded by the following conditions. Maximum total signage area of 92 square feet will be utilized per building. A maximum of six signs shall be permitted per building. Each sign shall have maximum dimension of 15 inches tall by 12 inches long. Sign design shall be limited to non-illuminated white stud-mounted letters and must be consistent font and style. S signage shall be placed on building facade facing Kenwood Road only and no more than one one wall sign per tenant. And I'll second that. Discussion? Uh, just a few comments here. I, I noticed during the hearing, as we were looking at the map of where the property is, that um, when, when the township enacted the JEDS, the JEDZ areas years ago, um, it carefully drew the lines to exclude anything that was residential at the time. And this property we're talking about now is one such property. It was residential then rather than commercial. In recent years, the township, I understand, has made a practice, certainly with the CIG project and, and perhaps uh, with others, has stated its intention to form a JEDD, which is a different sort of district with the same effect. There's an income tax imposed in there uh, to match up to the JEDS zones adjacent to it. For whatever reason, that wasn't done for this particular project, um, for this, these two buildings in the project like it was for the others. The opportunity to do that would have been at the time the, the zone change or, or uh, plan change was granted, I think, um, just as was done with the CIG project. It's unfortunate the township didn't do that then, I suppose, although I, I'm hardly one who wants to impose taxes on anyone, I would say. I'm, I've never been thrilled we have the JEDs, even though I know it was necessary here. I, I suppose it's within our power to condition the uh, change requested here for the signs upon the property owner consenting to that. I'm not inclined to do that, on the other hand. I don't think that's fair to change the rules of the game this late in it. Um, but I think it's something we should keep in mind in the future. If, 
if the boundaries of what's residential and commercial change in an area where the JEDs already exist, I think we do need to look at that. But again, I'm not inclined to hold this project up for that. I, I think the signs that they've proposed are, are reasonable and proportionate for the building uh, based upon the tenant mix they'll have there. And it's a, a welcome addition to the community, it seems, there. And looks like we'll have some, some nice professional tenants in there. Um, yeah, so uh, let me just address that. Um, as, you, as you know, the JEDZs that we put in were approved by the residents of Sycamore Township. Uh, about 82.5% of the residents approved the JEDZs. Um, and their JEDs no longer, no longer exist other than those that are grandfathered. Um, we did have conversations with the, the owners of this property. They were not inclined to, to put a JEDD on that property. And um, as you know, we can't supersede the, the, the owner of the property by going around them like we did on the, like was available with the JEDZs. So his, his intent was not to, uh, uh, not to put a JEDD on this property and um, Frankly, I agree with Tom that you know we're way we're way past that path, and uh, I wouldn't hold him hostage on the sign change just solely on the basis of a JEDD. Skyler, the building that's just almost attached to it—they share the same parking lot. That's not a, a JED or a JDZ, is it? Uh, I I do not believe because of not. because of the topography that those those parking lots are connected. Are they? Yeah, they are. They're they now. Are from they're not. I, I don't. I don't no, think probably? there's. Yeah. Is there an internal they connection? Oh, okay. Well, then I I, I recant that. <laughs> so they are not. But the board the border of the JDZ is at the at the border of this property where the old uh, yeah where that me. house on the top of the hill used to be. So I mean we can't impose anything additional on them because right. that's where the JDZ ends. Yeah. So if you're looking at this map, I, I realize that it's, it's turned sideways. So north is right. This is this is uh, the the Sycamore Executive Center one, which is in the Jed Z. These properties, which were rezoned in 2018, um, that that's the uh, the subject parcel uh, that or the property that we're looking at today for the for the signage amendment. <coughs> so just just north. And, and for the public's reference, if you think we're talking about esoteric tax things here, and I know this is probably pretty dry, but uh, Scholar, could you point out festive court on there as well? Some, some of you know where this yeah. is, but that's where the capital investment yeah. group project uh, is going in. Right where 600 is on this map. <laughs> yeah. And Ohio do law does permit a property owner to consent to its property <coughs> being placed in a joint economic development district, or JEDD, uh, within which uh, an income tax could be imposed, just like the voters did in the broader areas where we have the JEDZ zones, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, so the property owner could consent to that, and a, a township or a municipality or other jurisdiction uh, with zones like that can condition zone changes um, or zoning approvals uh, upon consent to doing that. But we're not, it sounds like the consensus is we're not pushing for that here. But uh, I thought I'd explain what we're talking about if anyone was curious anyway. Any more discussion? Mr. Chair, if I could make a quick suggestion. I know we have a pending motion in, in a second, uh, but we also have a resolution, I think, that mirrors the motion. So might be in order to withdraw the motion and just read the I resolution. I will withdraw that motion. Thank you. So I've got a resolution approving a major adjustment to a plan unit development for the Myers Y. Cooper Company real estate development located at 8250-8300 Kenwood Road and dispensing with the second reading. Motion. Second. Discussion? We've gone through this. Go ahead, Deepak. Uh, Mr. Oh, LaBarber. Mr. Excuse me. Mr. Porter. Mr. LaBarber. Yes, aye. Uh, Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Reed. Aye. Okay, now we have residents' uh, public comments. Public comments. Did anybody sign up for this? Yes, uh, Becky Gannis. Okay, Becky, now. Public comments, the guidelines are set up by last year's board, time <coughs> limit of four minutes. Uh, you'll see the time on the screen. Is that right, Skylar? Can we put that up again? Yeah, this time limit. Uh, if not, you, he's keeping, he's the, the keeper of the time. <laughs> yeah, give me one and second. And this isn't a uh, dialogue. We're not gonna answer any questions. We may, after you're finished, we may answer those questions during our trustees' comments section, or you can leave us your contact information. 
and someone will get back to you. But you have four minutes, you can dance, you can sing, you can do whatever you want. Think Tracy would be our yes. Thank you. The speed bumps, uh, we don't have any speed bumps in Sycamore Township. No, so that's how the, um, the right turn, right turn only, if we did ever open that up, makes sense, going up to Galbraith Road. Uh, but we did have uh, large discussions about this. This issue came up a number of times uh, in 2018, uh, 2019, when we were talking with uh, Capitol. And we had 125 people in the room for all those meetings, at least 100 people. And um, the consensus at that time, Mr. Weedman was here, was that they wanted happiness closed at that point. So, but we can look into this and have some discussion on this. I think I mentioned in a previous previous meeting that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's consistent with what I said in a previous meeting, but. I think the most important thing is if we open this during construction, I think the neighbors are not going to be happy. I, I, I just, I, because we can't tell somebody not to drive on a, on a public road. So you're going to get more construction traffic than you can imagine on that street. I mean, I'm more than ha happy if, if everybody wants to open it up. I think it's great. Let's open it back up after construction. But I just don't think you'll be very happy if it's open during construction because I think you're going to have all sorts of problems. We've experienced this every time we've had. Uh, construction situations in the township with construction traffic. So, um, I mean, I think I think. Could you could you come to the microphone again, Becky? Please. Thank you. If I might respond, I think that people could accept the road being closed at least during part of construction, but I think the desire is that it should be opened as soon as it is practical. Okay. Okay. That 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 makes more sense. But right now, while the construction is going on, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to have people who work on that construction site parking vehicles uh, on the street, 
that's going to be inevitable. And there's also a, they can uh, do that now. There also could be a dangerous <laughs> situation with the construction going on and the vehicles going on happening yeah. this way. A so. safety issue. I, I had a question. Um, were there any neighbors who, ref who you talked with who refused to sign? I'm, I'm curious. There were just a handful. Most of them were just of the, I just don't sign anything. There was one that refused, and the other one said he just didn't care. And that was it. Everyone else was like, yeah, we, we want this. Okay. Well, I, I think that's a good opportunity for us to have a, a public meeting, yeah. bring everybody in, let them explain what what they want and why they want it and we're, we're more we're open to doing that it's just I just think that under construction I think it would probably not be such a good idea and, and one other request if you would yeah. I, I expect this uh, Netherlands style thing you were talking about you've probably seen this online or is there a video or something I was not able to find one I could probably have my cousin in the Netherlands go take pictures <laughs> I can draw it <laughs> I, I was just going to ask if you have some way to share yeah. it with others I'd I, like I you don't to email know what it's something. called I would have to ask him so. okay if, if well if you could share a drawing or yeah, something I I'd, could I'd share like a drawing thank you okay Ray do we have any Yes, Mr. Janice. Mr. Janice. Thank you. My name is Jay Janice Turner. I live in Sycamore Township, Ohio. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, May, excuse me, March is National Brain Injury Awareness Month. As some of you within the sound of my voice know, some of you who will be seeing this on TV may know, I've been there, am there, and will always be there. So in conjunction with all the other awareness months throughout the year, I would ask all of you, when you have a moment in your leisure, to please give some ponderance and reflection upon that issue. Next, as many of you also know, <coughs> I and others have at times have asked for request, make request for public records. In the past administration and in the current administration, um, I and others have experienced at times challenges with that. So as some of you may already know, several years ago the Ohio General Assembly passed a law that says once each term of elective office for elected officials in Ohio they must attend a state-certified training class, three hours in length, which is taught by either a lawyer from the state auditor's office or the state attorney general's office. This here, in conjunction with Daniel Paul Reginald, a business owner of a business in Springdale, Ohio, I'm sponsoring a class on Tuesday, March 18th, 2020, in Springdale, Ohio, at the Empower You Studio at Frame USA. Runs from 10 a.m. to 1.15 p.m. This is our third annual. This is also will be the first um, in Greater Cincinnati class of this type of this year during the Ohio Sunshine Law Week, which is that week. For lawyers and paralegals, the Ohio Supreme Court has granted 3.0 continuing legal education units. If anyone is interested, they can pre-register now at the EmpowerUOhio.org site or they can get in contact with me or any of the trustees and give me your name, your email address, and your phone number, and we'll be glad to add you to the list. Even though this is primarily for elected officials, anyone is welcome to attend. It is free. You will get a certificate of attendance if you arrive on time and attend the, the entire class. I found it over the years to be very beneficial. I would hope others here that have been there um, may wish to rejoin us and maybe some of the issues that I and others have had could get resolved through that class. <coughs> um, we've had some issues um, with the meeting minutes that have been posted online, other resolutions where they've said as attached, they're not, and there is no attachment. So if anyone wishes to know if anyone reads that, obviously I do. So I would ask that all of you who are involved with that, you work to make sure that whatever is uh, posted as attached, it is posted on the online as well as the official meeting books. Um, at the beginning of this year, um, Trustee 
James and when Trustee LaBarbera ran, they were interested in transparency. As many of you can tell, these meetings are now regularly audio-visually recorded and promptly put online. Working with Trustee James, Trustee LaBarbera, Administrator Warwick, um, Zoning Director Miller, and some others, I'm proud to say many platforms are available, including paper format before the meeting. With Mr. Desai, we have uh, the PowerPoint, and he'll frequently explain each resolution in detail. The, the meeting minutes, the drafts, the proposals, the resolutions are posted online in advance. The meeting agendas are posted online in advance. <coughs> I think that's, I find that to be admirable. Is that my time? Am I, am I done? Yep. Okay. Thank you. <coughs> I'll say that class is good. That's an excellent class. I got a little certificate last well, year. One last thing just for everybody. Mr. LaBarbera and Mr. James uh, campaigned on transparency. Transparency. <laughs> and I admire everyone that's uh, advocate for transparency. <coughs> Thank Thanks. you, Jake. Thank, Thank you. you. And, and I would add, I've taken that auditor-sponsored training before, and I'm signed up for the class that Mr. Janice is speaking of at Empower University. I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone who's got an interest in open records and government, and those of us who are elected officials are required to go to training anyway periodically <coughs> during our term. But as a lawyer, free continuing legal education is a great thing, too, so I'm happy to go enjoy that. <coughs> Ray, anybody else? <coughs> yes, Chris Monzel. Good to see Chris. Chris is busy this time of the year. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Thank you very much. I'm Chris Monzel. I live in uh, Glendale, Ohio, and I was a former Cincinnati City Councilman as well as Hamilton County Commissioner, and I'm running for State Representative for House District 28, which Sycamore Township is in. So I just wanted to come around and uh, talk to you about the issues that I'm going to be working with as well as others that you might have. Uh, that we need to work up at the state legislature, uh, such as public education, which Sycamore Schools is a critical uh, public education system that we have in District 28, uh, as well as job creation, and then also public safety, making sure that we have the resources and the tools necessary for our first responders and uh, def public defenders help us uh, keep our community safe. Uh, but there's other issues that you might have. Please reach out to me because uh, I think it's really important from a township perspective, especially how state law influences you. Uh, that's uh, your legislature up there, and you want to make sure that you're getting the laws that are necessary to help improve Sycamore Township. So um, I have deep roots in this community. I actually went to high school right up the street at Moeller High School in Sycamore Township. So, um, and then also I've, I've uh, worked here and I've raised my family here. So uh, District 28 and the communities here are really close to my heart and really mean a lot to me. And um, also uh, had opportunity to coach a few of my kids' sports teams in some of the gymnasiums uh, through Sycamore School System. Uh, we never always, in fact, we just actually lost to Sycamore. Uh, this is my youngest boy, uh, uh, sophomore in high school. We are coaching his rec team. And uh, we are up in the final four uh, for the league tournament, and we lost to Sycamore. So uh, if I had to lose to anybody, it'd be great uh, to lose to Sycamore. So <laughs> it was a great game, good team, good team. But uh, I've just uh, been very blessed uh, to have, you know be able to uh, you know, grow up here and, and work here and, and uh, raise my family here. And uh, it's just a great district, and there's a lot of great things that we want to do up in Columbus. And I think the key is just common sense and really trying to find that common ground, that civility that's missing so much in our public discourse today that I want to bring that up to Columbus to make sure that we're providing the legislation that's necessary to help all Hawaiians, especially those in House District 28. And I do, do want to give a shout out to Mr. Janice for uh, sponsoring that clash uh, for the public records. I know my staff, when the county commission went to it, and it was very informative and really appreciate the uh, citizens standing up and providing that for folks because transparency is very important. And I do uh, have to regret, I am going to actually go over to Empower You Studio right now because they have a meeting going on tonight about issue seven. And so I apologize, I'm going to have to leave and go to that uh, to listen uh, about that debate for that issue that's on the ballot here in March 17th. But again, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Look forward to working with you and bringing those common sense solutions to Columbus. Thank you very much and God bless. Have a great night. Thank thanks. You. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. Warwick? Yeah, we have uh, Paula Bream Hager. Good evening. I'm Paula Brumheger, and I am the Eva Jane Romaine Coombe Library Director for the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. That's my official title, and I have to say it every time I'm anywhere. Um, and I feel like we might, uh, it's an endowed position, so I always think maybe I get some um, 
syndication dollars for saying that, but I'm not sure that's true. Uh, thank you all for giving me a few minutes to speak with you. I'm here representing the library. I'm a citizen of the city of Cincinnati, but tonight I'm here as the library director. We have a facilities master plan that has been released. We worked on it all of 2019, and we released that right at the end of the year. I brought tonight one section of it. It's about a 114-page plan. It is all available on our website. Um, you can look at that if you have a couple of hours to review it. But the plan that the portion of the plan that I brought this evening deals with the Northeast Zone, and for the library that involves the Deer Park um, and Dillonvale community that are in Sycamore Township, and it's the one branch that I'm here to highlight a bit tonight. We had wonderful engagement sessions over the summer with all of our communities. We have 40 branch libraries, a main library, and a distribution center, about a million square feet of space. So we're all throughout the county. We had a great session in Deer Park. I think some of the folks who are our trustees were there. I think Mr. James, maybe you were there? Yes. So we had about 70 people. There was so much engagement uh, around what we might do at Deer Park. And one of the suggestions that came out of that was to consider moving to the former TJ Maxx site that is in the Dillonvale Shopping Mall. If you're familiar with the Deer Park Library, it's in Dillonvale. It's been there since the early 70s, and it's been in that mall in different places. It's about 4,100 square feet right now, one of our smallest locations, one of the five smallest locations. But the recommendation that we consider the 25,000 square foot space that TJ Maxx had previously uh, been in that we move down there and make that one of our signature next generation libraries. We are pursuing that. Um, we have several projects in the works. That one does appear to be one that um, we feel it's a reasonable suggestion. It's going to give us an option to have a really amazing library in this area. And our plan does not currently call for any consolidations or closures. So what we're trying to do is build on the successes that we've had. And Deer Park, while a small library, is quite busy. So we've done a number of special programs there, including preschool programs for young folks to really build literacy in that community. We're very excited about going down the mall and offer people an opportunity to really experience the library in the way they have previously, but really offer expanded services and the specifics we have not worked out yet, but we are using dollars that were approved in 2018 by voters in Hamilton County with a one mil levy for 10 years. And we are trying to make our dollars work as quickly as we can for us. I don't have to tell you all that dollars that are approved, they don't go as far as they do at the end of your levy as they do at the beginning of the levy. So we have multiple projects going on, including in three of our locations that are not handicap accessible, Price Hill, Walnut Hills, and Madisonville. But the project in Deer Park, because of the opportunity and the fact that we can do it fairly quickly, may happen sooner rather than later. We are working to perhaps begin that project this year and possibly end and open a new library in the Dillonville Mall by the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021, depending. So I just wanted to come and make sure that you all knew what was going on. Deer Park and Dillonville are both, of course, in Sycamore Township, so I've been to many other community council meetings in the area, but I wanted to make sure and talk to the folks over here, make you aware. I did bring copies of the plan. It is online, but I wouldn't want to show up without a handout. I am a librarian. Got to give you something. So I'm happy to answer any questions, and I appreciate Mr. Warwick giving me the time to talk tonight as well. Thank you. So the timeline is the end of 2020, early 2021. For the opening, yes. Um, but we are working to uh, confirm a lease and move forward pretty quickly. So we may see action in the next couple of months. Is there anything we can do as a township to help facilitate that? I just encourage everyone to be aware. Please let your constituents know. Uh, one of our major planning principles, and it's been the theme tonight, is transparency. So we are doing our best to make sure that everyone is aware. We held our meetings about the engagement, and now we're out there um, trying to make people aware that the plan is happening. We have multiple community meetings happening right now this spring. We intend to continue that dialogue. And when it, come when it comes time to hopefully open that, We'll be here asking you if you will enthusiastically support us and come to our, our opening events uh, and really make sure that all of your um, constituents know the library is here for everyone. Well, well thank Great. you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. And is it okay if I leave these here? Absolutely. Is that okay? Thank, thank you. you. Ray, anybody else? I don't have anybody else on the list. Okay, anybody, have a, <coughs> anybody in the audience that didn't get a chance to sign up, wants to talk? So your wife's here? <laughs> I don't think she wants to talk. Kroger list or anything? No? Okay. And uh, next up now, we're going to go to the uh, Sheriff Patrol report with Lieutenant Smith. 
Good evening, board. Good evening, everyone. Um, I don't have anything of significance to, uh, to report this evening. Uh, I was asked by a couple of residents to talk about domestic violence protocol. However, I don't see those folks in the audience. Uh, I, can, I can postpone that or I can move forward with an, a, an abbreviated version. Your pleasure. Um, we had some questions. I think, they, I think the concerns and questions resulted from the incident we had on East Kemper Road earlier this year where we unfortunately tragically had a murder-suicide. Uh, that residence was not on our radar. Um, the folks involved, uh, either party, the male and female, uh, the, those folks were not on our radar. These were not people that we had frequent contacts with or anything like that. It was kind of uh, out of the blue. We were just as, as surprised as I think the community and residents uh, were. In terms of domestic violence protocol, um, from an operational standpoint, uh, it's, a, it's obviously a priority run if we, if we receive a call uh, for a domestic dispute or domestic violence incident that is a two person run, uh, no matter what, the Hamilton County Communication Center will send two deputies no matter what. And if we happen to be tied up on lower priority runs, we will break off those runs. We will stop what we're doing to answer the, the domestic call. Um, in terms of what we do, uh, domestic, you know, there, there are several facets to law enforcement where there's a lot of gray area. We operate in the gray all the time, and we also uh, are able to use discretion a lot of the time. Domestic violence is not one of those areas uh, over the years, the decades. Uh, domestic violence laws have tightened up quite a bit. I think you can all think of a maybe a movie or a television show, or maybe you have firsthand personal knowledge of a domestic violence incident that occurred. And I think you can think about a, a scenario where police officers historically have, have gone into a, a dwelling or a residence and they've tried to mediate or they focused on separating the parties and just getting people calmed down and maybe, you know, maybe one half goes one way and the other goes the other. Um, and then not a whole lot of swift, hard action is, is, is done at that point. Those days are long gone. Um, the number one objective, the, the primary objective when we uh, investigate domestic violence is to uh, establish what is called uh, the primary physical aggressor. Uh, a couple, uh, a married couple, household members, family members, they can debate, argue, they can do whatever they want, but as soon as violence or physical harm is brought into play, brought to the table, um, that changes things and we determine who the primary physical aggressor is and our course of action is arrest, it is physical arrest. And when I say that, that is not a summons to court. That is not a citation or anything like that. That means a custodial arrest. That person goes to jail. Um, when you look at crime stats in the township, you know, for instance, in 2019, uh, there were 29 reported auto thefts, but only nine of those were closed or, or solved, if you will. Uh, you know, simple thefts, 603 thefts, you know, just under 200 thefts were, were closed or solved. Uh, arrests were made or charges were filed in those instances. So it's domestic violence is quite a bit different from property crimes and things of that nature. In 2019, we had 60 reported incidents of domestic violence and in 56 out of 60 cases, we made an arrest. Uh, in 2018, respectively, 71 cases of reported <coughs> domestic violence and in 68 incidents, we, we made a, a physical arrest. So this isn't a whodunit. This is, this is uh, a personal crime that occurs between family and household members and again the preferred course of action all the time is physical arrest. We look at the totality of circumstances uh, and if sufficient probable cause exists we will absolutely arrest. Absolute, uh, obviously after the incident, post-incident, a lot of focus and attention is directed towards the victim, the victim's rights, protection and care of that victim. Uh, temporary restraining orders are issued by the court. Uh, there's a number of things that we fill out and, and present to the court to help judges make better or more informed decisions uh, when setting things like bond and stuff like that. So it's, it's complicated. I could go on all night about it. I, I was hoping that the folks that were asking the questions were here so we could, we could talk. But uh, that is an overview of domestic violence. Uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Uh, my, my phone number and email is on the website. Anybody have any questions tonight, I'd be happy to help you out. Thanks for your time, everybody. <coughs> Thanks, Lieutenant. Thank we're going to move over now to um, our EMS and fire report. <coughs> Penny is up. Thank you. Um, I sent you guys the monthly report for February, and it, it is on our website right now for anyone who wants to view that. <coughs> the uh, 
the coronavirus is the hot topic going on now. I, I will have to say that uh, it changes daily with uh, the number of deaths, the number of people affected. It's hard to sit up here and give you a report on statistics because it's, it's constantly changing. Um, the coronavirus virus is also known as a COVID-19 infection. Sometimes you'll hear the um, medical professionals call it by that. It originally spread from uh, seafood and the animal market is where it originally came from, the, the bats and all the weird stuff that, that some people are marketing. And now it's mainly being spread through person-to-person -person contact, which is where we're at at this point. It can, um, it can, it can spread by respiratory droplets that are produced in affected uh, person coughs, sneezes, or in close contact. So, by touching the surface, uh, by touching the surface, the object uh, where the virus has been, but touching your mouth, nose, eyes is how you're going to contract it. So, if if the if the droplets from someone sneezing or coughing, drooling, anything like that, is it gets on a surface, or someone sneezes or coughs towards you, you're gonna you're gonna get it. Um, <coughs> the uh, the the worst part between with the with this virus versus a regular flu is it's twice as contagious as the flu. That that's that's probably one of the the most leading differences between just your common flu and and this virus is is how contagious it is. So that's where it is very important uh, to take the precautions. Uh, the more common symptoms is fever. Ninety eight percent of cases has the fever. Um, cough, 82%, fatigue, 11%, shortness of breath, sore throat. Those are your main, those are going to be the main symptoms that you're going to have. The less common is uh, the sputum production, headache, the hematitis, which is uh, coughing up blood, um, diarrhea, and uh, the symptom, the weird thing is the symptoms can appear two to 14 days after exposure. So you can, you can be in contact with this stuff and, and it could be 14 days later before you actually catch it. So, so you don't really even know where you were or who you got it from or anything like that is, is the problem. Um, the, the, the other bad thing, which is what is causing most of the deaths is the, as the virus worsens, it goes into bilateral pneumonia and um, that's where <clears throat> the real respiratory problems come in. That's where the, the older, more senior people start struggling with, uh, with trying to, to keep their respirations up is uh, <clears throat> because of the, the, the bilateral pneumonia. So the preventive actions, pretty much the same as the flu. Wash your hands, uh, soap and water at least 20 seconds. Uh, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Make sure, you're, make sure any sanitizer you buy has at least 60% alcohol. To it, I think most of them are 62. Uh, avoid touching your eyes, mouth, nose with unwashed hands. Uh, avoid contact with people that are sick. Safe distance is six feet, um, which is what CDC is recommending. Cover uh, cover your cough, sneeze with tissue, then throw it away. Uh, <clears throat> clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and services. Mask up persons that are affected. Very important. Um, when this virus started out, everybody was going out buying masks. Um, a mask on you will not protect you. A mask on the sick person will protect you. Um, these, we purchased uh, 40, 40 of these kits. They're, they're the uh, flu kits. They have the N95 mask in them, and um, uh, they also have regular surgical masks. They have hand sanitizers and so on. The N95 masks are very, very hard to come by nowadays. And um, if this mask is on the sick person and they cough and sneeze, it's not going to get past the mask to spread. If, if you have it on and they cough and sneeze and it gets on the mask or anywhere on your body and you touch your eyes, even though you got a mask on, you touch your eyes, even, even as far as bringing, like females, bringing a hair back behind the ears, is going to affect you. So <clears throat> you... It's not, it's not where CDC has been saying, don't go out and buy masks because you're taking the mask away from the people that need it, which are the sick people. So it's very important that uh, <laughs> if you do 
come upon somebody that has this virus or even a flu at this point because you can't really tell if they have it or not is is to get one of these masks on them so to protect them or protect you from them <clears throat> the um, for as far as the ems providers uh, ourselves we have uh, the Hamilton County Communications Center has a, a questionnaire that they do to every caller that calls in saying they're sick or having a flu type symptoms. They do go through the series of questions that, um, uh, that to find out if they've been traveling, uh, so on and so forth, and they will relay that information to our medic units. So we are somewhat prepared when we go into their house or go to their place where they're at that, um, uh, that, we're, that we're protected ourselves. So we do have disposable gloves, isolation gowns, face masks, face shields. Uh, we, now we do have the kits. And one of the things CDC recommends is that we don't allow family members that have been in the house with an infected person to ride in the front of the medic unit to, to the hospital, which normally we'll do that. But we're trying to keep that separation away. If you get sick, um, stay at home. Do not go to work. Do not go around public areas. Uh, Try to stay in a separate room of the house. Avoid being around your pets. Uh, CDC or anyone else has not determined if this virus is, effect, is going to affect pets. If pets can, can travel, if, if, you, if you sneeze on your dog or your cat, whether they can move, jump up on your lap and, and become the contagious and, uh, carrier. So try to stay away from the pets. If you do have to be around family members, pets, so on and so forth, uh, put your mask. Put the mask on if you're if you're the sick person. Put the mask on, and wash your hands before and after you've uh, been in contact with other people or your pets. So, and one of the things that um, the Kleenex, the anti-viral uh, tissue Kleenex that you can buy, Kleenex brand has it. Uh, if you ever seen it, it's like a tissue, but it has little blue dots in it. That that has a germicide in it that'll kill 99.9 percent of germs. So. You get those Kleenexes, and anytime you cough or sneeze, cough and sneeze into the Kleenex, and then throw the Kleenex away. Don't put it in your pocket and use it for the next sneeze. Throw it away, and that will kill the germs uh, in the Kleenex, and, and you're discarding it, and then get a fresh one out for the next time. So those, those are good to have. If you have a fever, cough, shortness of breath associated with a sharp stabbing feeling in the chest area, go to a medical facility. If you are home self-treating yourself for the flu, it's fine. If you, be, if you start to get shortness of breath and you start becoming to where you might have pneumonia, you need to get to a medical facility. Don't treat yourself at home. If, if, if you take a deep breath and count to five, while you're taking a deep breath, count to five, how far you can go. If you have pneumonia, count to one and it'll shut you off. So try it, try it once. One, two, three, four, five, and then do it, count to one, and stop breathing. Stop it. That, that's what pneumonia is like. Pneumonia, once your lung fills up with pneumonia, it's like a stabbing sensation in your lung. And as soon as you start to take a breath in, you'll get about one second in, and it'll feel like somebody's sticking a knife in you, and it'll just stop your breathing. Your natural reaction to breathing is when you feel that pain is to shut your breathing down. So you start to end up panting like a dog trying to get your breath, and that's where your O2 sats start going down, and that's where you start getting into stress. And when that happens, it creates more fluid in the lungs, and it, create, and it just makes you worse. So if you get to the point where you do have sharp pain in your chest, trying to breathe in, you can't get your breath in, you need to get to a hospital. So that's about all I have on it. Hopefully, hopefully this stuff goes away soon. I'll ask you the question I asked the other morning, too, mm -hmm. since we have some of the public here. Um, one of the things we've seen in the news is in Kirkland, Washington, which is a hot spot, the fire department mm -hmm. actually got exposed and was quarantined. Are you as confident as you can be that we're, we're well equipped to reduce yeah. that I, well, risk here? Yes, I am. And the reason why is because uh, they got affected early on. Nobody really had their guards up yet. Mm -hmm. And what happened was is they had a nursing home out there that had a lot of infected people. And because, because they, the department made so many runs to that place, they quarantined the whole crew because everybody was exposed to that, that building. And, and not everybody had it, but, but they wanted to quarantine the whole department based on how many members made so many runs 
into that building that was a contaminated building. So that was the reason they, that's the reason they did that, uh, which was a smart move. It'd be like <coughs> if we had Carriage Court or the Seasons that had a whole wing that had a bunch of people with that virus and we're in there making runs all day long. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know. So um, it, 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 that's the reason that happened. Since then, I think there's been a lot more awareness to the problem. Uh, a lot more departments and uh, like us with buying these things are gearing up to, uh, to, to deal with it. Okay, so I'm, I'm pretty confident we, we've got a pretty good stock of everything we need. All of our guys are well adversed of what the, what the problem is, the symptoms to look for. And we also have the communication center on board to, to run through the protocol of the questions to the caller to, to get a heads up on it. So you've got all the equipment and supplies you need right now too. Yeah, very good, yeah. thanks. Chief, thank you. You're welcome. Save me some money and don't have to buy a mask now. Sick person can have the masks. That's right. And they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. In the mall, they're walking all over the place. The walkers. They got that mask on. All right. Um, Tracy Kellams, the roads and uh, maintenance recreation report. The only thing I have since Tuesday mm -hmm. is that tomorrow uh, will be the first uh, advertisement for our 2020 curb and sidewalk project. That will be in the newspaper and uh, we'll have it on the website. Thank you, Tracy. And, uh, Question. Oh, sorry. Caught you with a Colombo question there again. Okay, uh, Tracy, question about um, Happiness Way again. I, I know we had the discussion that Ms. Gannis brought up earlier, but in a recent meeting, we also talked about the hospital's concerns about lack of access to their driveways for deliveries, and they're having to go through the ambulance entrance for that. And I noticed none of the fences have moved at all. <coughs> have you had any discussions with the hospital and the construction crew about that? And can yes, we've had us? a couple discussions. In fact, I had a meeting. Uh, with uh, the hospital personnel and CIG yesterday at the hospital, and we have come to uh, a, a good conclusion altogether. Uh, we're just going to move the fence past the first driveway, which used to go into the bank, and then the rest is going to remain up because past there, we're actually get, the contractor is actually getting ready uh, in a couple weeks here to tear that up because there's a sewer project that goes through there. So the road's going to be impassable anyway, but the the hospital is fine with what okay. we discussed. Good, thank you. If if I could make one comment on a personal experience with Happiness Way, if you open it up during con construction, I can't tell you how many times we've made runs to construction sites for people injured and get nails and debris in the tires, like you wouldn't believe. There's, there's workers in and out of there with stuff on their trucks and it falls off on the street and everything else. So if you do open it up, word of warning. <laughs> you could be heading to Bob Sumrall right after you leave the, the street. One other question about that. I had to ask you this when a resident who's here tonight had asked me about this. Some of the fire hydrants in the area are actually captive inside the fence, but all of your your trucks have equipment to unlock that immediately when you get to yeah. it, right? We, okay. we put the uh, Knox box padlock on there on the on the on the gate that we only have the key to so we can unlock that portion of it we can unlock the gate if we can't unlock it we'll cut it okay but we'll get we'll get to the hydrant that's the least of our worries <laughs> tracy anything else no sir the law director uh, hypothesize nothing to report okay. administrative report administrator yeah i forward. i i snuck one thing in at the last minute and i apologize but in front of you i put a letter from Dinsmore, uh, they represent the township. Um, one of their lawyers represents us on uh, uh, bond and TIF kinds of activities. And I think they do this as an abundance of a caution. They just wanted to point out to us that they also represent Fifth Third Bank, who is involved in uh, some of this bond financing. And so they want to bring that to our attention. There's never, uh, there's not going to be a problem unless uh, Fifth Third is involved in, in a project uh, with the township, and if that's the case, then Dinsmore would have to re recuse themselves. And so they're simply asking with this letter um, for the for you to note that Dinsmore's representation of Fifth Third in unrelated matters, they are a client, and that Dinsmore's continued represent representation of Sycamore Township in any and all municipal security matters, current and in the future, just pointing out where the conflict might be if there ever was one, and if I could get a simple motion uh, giving me permission to sign this. 
make a motion to uh, allow uh, our our uh, administrator to sign this um, uh, conflict waiver between Sycamore Township and uh, um, and Fifth Third Bank as it relates to Dinsmore. You have a second. <clears throat> I, I, I do have a question. I, I don't have a concern about this myself. I see that they're, they're building in here what we attorneys used to call a Chinese wall. I don't know if you can still call it that these days or not, but it's a, uh, a structure where within the firm they will not be sharing information or uh, confidential matters between the attorneys working for Fifth Third and the attorneys working for Sycamore Township. But let me ask our law director, do you have any concerns about this? No, I think as Mr. Warwick explained it and, and uh, you expanded upon it, um, uh, it leads us in a role where we can be comfortable with our privacy and, and uh, their um, loyalty to us. Very good. Ray, anything else? That's all I have. Okay. Uh, Mr. Porter? Fiscal, your fiscal report? No, we didn't need to vote on that. We got a motion. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, aye. Uh, Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Rubin. Aye. Okay, now your your report. Wait, 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 one second. Someone's signaling that it's hard to hear back there. Is everyone able to hear us back there? Okay. We're just stretching. Somebody's stretching. We'll speak louder. Flexing. Maybe that We're speaker's off. Okay. Uh, so I have no report tonight. No report tonight from Mr. Porter. Uh, trustees' comments. Mr. Weaver. Uh, I don't have anything besides what I uh, mentioned on Tuesday. Mr. James. I, I'll just mention something here. Uh, in addition to the um, seminar on March 18th that Mr. Janice mentioned uh, regarding um, Ohio Sunshine Laws and so forth, there's another event that day that uh, someone asked me to mention to everyone. I'll mention this here. The Indian Hill Historical Society is having an event uh, on the fight for women's suffrage and having a presentation by a lady named Catherine Durant, who I've seen present twice on this topic. It's the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in America. And if any of you do have interest in that, uh, she makes a fascinating presentation. I'm happy to provide you information about it. If you didn't know, it is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in America. Um, so celebrate, please. Thank you. I have no comment. Um, announcement changes. Um, Special Board of Zoning Appeals meeting, Monday, March 9th, uh, 4.30, uh, right here in the Township Administration Building. We're canceling the Zoning Commission meeting on Monday, March 9th at 6 p.m. Canceling the Board of Zoning Appeals meeting, Monday, March 16th uh, at 6.30 here in the Township Building. And for scheduled meetings without changes, see the published calendar. It is available on our website. Motion to adjourn. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thanks for coming.